welcome to the Thankful Homemaker Podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by, so grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello, friend. I'm Marcy Farrell from ThankfulHomemaker.com, and I'm so glad to be with you today. We are continuing on in our series on the Sermon on the Mount. We are closing in on this last chapter in the sermon. We're on chapter 7 in Matthew, and today we're working through verses 7 through 12, and it's titled, Ask and It Will Be Given. So our first Sermon on the Mount episode, believe it or not, it was in September of 2020. It was episode 86. And it was the introduction to the series. And today we're on the 25th episode in this series. It's episode 141. And again, we're working through Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. It's titled, Ask and it will be given. And just a note, this is not going to be in any agreement whatsoever with the false teaching of the prosperity gospel. So if you're a listener to Joel Osteen or Joyce Meyer, please stop. Okay, and if you want to know why, visit Justin Peters Ministry at justinpeters.org. I'm just going to leave that there. I was, I also initially was going to put verse 12 here in chapter 7 in a separate episode, but as I worked through this text, it really worked and fit in nicely with this next section. So I even eliminated an extra episode in the series. So let me dig in today by reading our text. So I'm starting in Matthew chapter 7. I'm starting in verse 7, and I will read through verse 12. As always, I'm reading from the ESV. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. I so appreciate that the text in Matthew 7, it moved from judging others to prayer. Because what do we need most before we rightly judge others or remove the log from our own eye or that we don't cast our pearls before pigs? We need to be in prayer and we need to be in prayer for wisdom and discernment and judging rightly what to say, how to say it, when to say it, if to say it, how to respond in kind, when we do say something, especially if we have to correct or rebuke? How do we do that rightly? And then on top of that, what do we do? How do we respond if we're attacked or it's not taken in in kind? Um, We need prayer to truly speak the truth in love and that it's not coming from a self-righteous attitude. My dear friend, we need to be praying for this as we address those in in our own homes even. What if you need to address an issue with your husband and you know it may not be received well? Do you take the time to pray and seek wisdom from the Lord and for his grace to help you respond with love for your husband with kind and gentle words? We, we can't walk around criticizing everyone and acting unmercifully towards them. I heard a saying years ago, and I know I've shared it here before, but it was, if you're right but you're rude, then you're wrong. 
we need God's help to guide our words and our attitudes behind them. So we may speak the truth in love and it's not received well. Well, then we need to be prayerful to respond rightly when we're not being responded rightly to. Basically, after I went through all that, we need a lot of help from the Lord. (laughs) Our our last verse in this section of text that we're going to work through today needs to be a guide to help us as we relate to others, where it says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And we're going to work through that one a bit more too. So let's begin here by working with Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8. So they read, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Okay, what a great promise we've been given here by our Heavenly Father. All our needs will be met. Our Heavenly Father is most generous, and His divine resources, they're never going to run out. We can do for others what we would want done for ourselves. Um, that's referencing verse 12 there. Matthew verses 7, 7 through 11 is noted by many commentators as a perfect bridge between the previous teaching about wrongly judging others with a critical spirit that we talked about last month in our episode. Don't even know what number it is, but that one, verses 1 through 6 about judging um, others rightly. And the positive teaching we come to here in verse 12 on the golden rule. We can be in Christ We can have the log removed from our own eye, and we still need winsome help from above with how to remove the speck from our brother. We talked also in last episode about how the picture, that picture we have there of removing the speck from another's eye, how it it gives us the reminder of how delicate the eye is and how it must be done with great care. And we also work through how difficult it can be to discern between those who are dogs or pigs, and I'm speaking here of the false prophets or false teachers, and how we're not to offer the holy things of the Lord to them. So we need this reminder to call on the Lord in prayer continually. Wisdom from above is our greatest need. James 1.5 reminds us, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. John MacArthur stated, he said, God gives us many principles in his word, but he does not give specific methods or rules for every conceivable situation. For one thing, situations keep changing and vary greatly from age to age and person to person. To give specific rules for every circumstance would require a giant library of volumes. But even more important than that is God's desire that we rely on him directly. He wants us to be in his word, and without being in his word, we cannot pray wisely or rightly. I shared a a favorite quote of mine on Instagram a few weeks back by Burke Parsons, and it said, we don't believe in the power of prayer. We believe in the power of God who answers prayer. And that's precisely why we pray. That is such a good quote. Let's keep that in thought in the forefront of our minds here as we go through this text today, because we pray and ask in confidence because of the one capital O we are praying to. Sinclair Ferguson opened this section in his commentary on the Sermon on the Mount. He stated, he said, We are beggars before God. We are spiritually short-sighted and undiscerning. We fall so short of what we should be for the sake of our Lord Jesus. We have nothing to offer him. Here then, Jesus teaches us what has rightly been called beggar's logic. We are to persist in asking for God's grace as though we are beggars. 
And he says, for spiritually, we always remain so. And he continues, he says, we can do so in the confidence that the one who responds to our asking, who reveals himself to our seeking, and who opens our heart to our knocking is a father to us. I love that. So as we pull out the terms here of ask, seek, and knock, they are all in the present imperative. And all that means is we're to do them continually. They are a continual action. The text literally reads, keep on asking and it will be given to you. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and it will be open to you. We're to be persistent in prayer. We need it just as much as we need oxygen to breathe. It is a lifeline to those of us in the kingdom. We're still on earth. And as we pray with such persistence continually about all the things, it reveals our great dependence on Jesus. It's only through Jesus working in and through us that we can stay on the narrow path and walk in righteousness and holiness. So we need to continually be asking and keep asking and seek and keep seeking and knock and keep knocking. Luke shares the same words here in Luke 11, but he also shares a parable right before them in verses 5 through 8 in chapter 11 of Luke. I'm going to read those verses. This part I'm reading from the NASB. I just like the way the text read. So in verses 5 through 8 of Luke 11, it reads, And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, because a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to serve him. And from inside he answers and says, Do not bother me. The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even if he will not get up and give him anything, just because he is his friend, yet because of his shamelessness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. And then continues on in 9 and 10. And I tell you, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened. So we're clearly being shown to be persistent in prayer and not to give up. I think how easily we are persistent in prayer for our loved ones when they're outside of Christ or when someone close to us is ill or when we're ill or our health is failing. We have no problem pleading persistently to the Lord. We, we find it easy to turn to the Lord in prayer. But what about praying for our spiritual growth or the spiritual growth of others? What about praying for areas of sin in our lives to be defeated? That critical spirit we have or our issue with anger or our complaining tongues. One commentator stated, he said, consider what would happen if God's people understood what Christ is saying here and put it to work. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 to 16 reminds us, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. As we see our sin and how short we fall from God's standard of perfection and of our great need for his grace, it should cause us to fall on our knees in prayer before our holy God. There's no hope in our walk as believers without his continued grace and love and mercy at work in our lives. My friend, we need to pray to be more like Jesus and keep on praying to be more like Jesus. We are to ask and seek and knock and keep on asking and seeking and knocking. And we also need to be reminded here that this isn't a blank check that God is just going to give us anything we want in life. God knows much better than we do on what we need. We need to give thanks to the Lord for our prayers that seem to go unanswered 
God will answer our prayers for spiritual growth. These are prayers that we need to be consistent in praying. My friends, I want to pause and take a moment here to share about my friend Conrad and how he is desiring to help us as parents and grandparents to raise our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Conrad has a brand new high contrast hymn book, and it's a very unique board book that will help you to teach your infant or toddler one of the most beloved hymns of the Christian faith. The illustrations are captivating, and they'll create a special moment of truth and goodness and beauty in your home every day. And the book's bold shapes and high contrast colors mean your infant's developing eyes will be able to focus on each page, even as early as six weeks old. That's pretty neat. In just five minutes per day, your children or grandchildren will hear the truth of God's word sung into their little ears. I love the thought of that. It's a lovely way to get your little ones enjoying books. They're a lovely gift for your own use at home with your littles or to give to an expectant mother or for your grandchildren. And as a thankful homemaker listener, you're the first to hear about this unique board book project. So to find out more and get a copy for your little ones, head over to highcontrasthymnbooks.com backslash thankful dash homemaker. Again, that was its high H-I contrast hymnbooks.com backslash thankful-homemaker.com. And that link is going to be in the show notes too. So wherever you listen into the podcast, it'll either be underneath the description or um, it'll be at the main show notes in the blog. So our next section of verses in 9 through 10 reads, Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Okay, first, I want to give us a bit of background, and I'm kind of glad to do this because this is something I've never studied myself before. So I want to give some background into these seemingly crazy pictures that Jesus is giving us in these verses. Um, In biblical times, a loaf of bread, it didn't look like ours today. It was round and flat. So picture here something more like a pita or a tortilla. So it could be mistaken for a stone. And another interesting thing to note here I came across is that when Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, he tempted him to turn stone into bread. I'm going to read these verses. So I'm reading Matthew 4, verses 1 through 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus' next illustration in our verses 9 and 10, there that's it's interesting too. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. So a serpent, or it can also be translated as a snake, is dangerous, and more harm would come to the child over the snake from over the rock there, right? And they may break a tooth or two with the rock, but the snake could really harm them. So Jesus is making this, I guess I want to call it like an extreme illustration to remind us that our Lord, he's not trying to deceive us, but God may not always answer our prayers how we think he should. When we think of our children asking things and we say no, it's because we love them and we believe we know what's best for them, right? 
no parent would give their 12-year-old the keys to the car and let them go take it for a drive or would let their six-year-old play video games or eat candy all day. Um, we don't give our children everything they ask for because as their parents, we really do desire what's best for them. Well, we have a Heavenly Father who most definitely knows what's best for us, and He's always working all things out in our lives for our good and His glory. We can just get caught up in the good things and our thinking being physical things or things like our health or things like that. And the good things are are not just physical things, but they are spiritual good things. So think here, think here. When I say that, I think growing in the fruit of the Spirit, things like growing in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We have a God who always gives his children what is good because he knows exactly what we need. Like, I don't wait well. It's an area the Lord continues to grow me in, and I need to be reminded that my Heavenly Father knows what's best. He Not only does he know what's best, he knows if something is coming, he knows when the timing is in everything. I was just chatting with a sweet friend recently on this, and I needed prayer to wait well and trust the Lord and his timing and his determining what is best for me and when. There is a poem that captures this so well, and I want to read it to you. So just sit with me here a minute. I really like this one. I may put this on a blog post on the blog because I really like it. It begins, it says, I asked for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn to obey. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power and the praise of men. I was given weakness to sense my need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing I asked for but everything I hoped for. In spite of myself, my prayers were answered. I am among all men most richly blessed. Yes, God always gives us what's best for us. We do serve, my friend, a good and perfect, all-knowing, loving, heavenly Father. We can trust him when we ask him over all the details of our lives. Matthew 7, 11 states, it says, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? This verse gives us an argument of what would be called the lesser to the greater. So we're going from the human to the divine. If it's true of our earthly fathers, even the saved and unsaved, the lesser, how much more true of our perfect heavenly fathers? So we're going there from the greater, the divine. Some of us may have had some really great dads growing up, right? I I think my husband is a really great dad and a great grandpa and I'm even going to move it into parents in general here since I'm a mom and a grandma talking. I really love my kids, and they're probably the people I can be the most selfless with in this world. They're the ones that I can most easily sacrifice for. I'd give my life for them. I love them with a great love, but my love for them comes nowhere near God's love for them. This is something I can never fathom, right? I remind them, and now I reminded my kids back in the day and still do, but and now I remind my grandkids of how much I love them, but that it's beyond my comprehension at times that God loves them even more than I do. That's such a comfort though to know that because I think I know what's best for them, but God is the only one who truly knows what is best for them. 
John MacArthur stated, he said, the greatest human parental love cannot compare with God's. There's no limit to what our Heavenly Father will give to us when we ask in obedience and according to His will. In Christ, my dear friend, we are so blessed. Ephesians 1.3 states it so well. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Not some or a few, but every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is stated there. And then Ephesians 1, 7 through 8 reminds us, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Not give us a little bit or, you know, a, a decent amount. He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, the riches of his grace. Let me share this from one from a this um it was it's um a site I really enjoy it's called Precept Austin and this was from a commentator on their site there he said and so our heavenly father bids us to come to him in prayer he never errs and never makes mistakes as do even the best of earthly fathers that is the real meaning of the phrase how much more god knows much more than we do God cares much more than we care. He is much richer than we are, and he is far more willing to answer our prayers than we are to have them answered. And we know that our Father loves us because he gave his own son to die for us, even when we were his enemies. If he has already given us the best gift he could possibly give to mankind, will he refuse us any good thing we ask of him? The cross proves that the heart of God is good and that he gives good gifts because he gave the best on Calvary. So it is our holy privilege to come to that same good heart every time we pray. I love that. So we come to, we're coming to a close here with verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So we've seen this quote as it's called the golden rule, as we know it, from others, but it's always emphasized in the negative. These are like tongue twisters to say, so bear with me here. So Confucius taught, he said, what you do now want done to yourself, do not do to others. And the Stoics, their principle was, what you do not want done to be done to you, do not do to anyone else. So as we look at those two, the the negative is is really emphasized there because sinful man's motivation is self. Their motivation is focused on, I won't harm you, so don't harm me. Or the thinking here is, I'll be good to you, so you be good to me. John MacArthur stated on that, he said, every sin results from preoccupation with self. We sin because we are totally selfish, totally devoted to ourselves rather than to God and to others. Unregenerate man can never come up to the standard of selfless love, the love that loves others as oneself and treats others in the same way that one wants to be treated. Jesus' statement here in verse 12 encompasses the positive and the negative with an emphasis on the positive. Jesus is the only one who perfectly lived by this truth. And the ability to live this way, it's not in our nature. It's, It's nothing we can do. We need a new nature. We need to be born again. We need the work of the Spirit at work within us. We can only love others in this way because God first loved us, thinking there 1 John 4, 19. Susan Heck in her study on the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 19, she she did this this particular verse, she did her own study on it. She had a whole section on it. It was really good. It had really some helpful thoughts. As she began this chapter, she was reminding us that even as believers, 
we have difficulty living by the golden rule. So if you have her study, if you have her booklet, make sure to read chapter 19 if you haven't yet. I'm going to read this. It's a little bit of a long paragraph, but it's really good. And she stated, if we seriously obeyed the principle set forth in Matthew 7, 12, most of our sin would cease. If we really treated others the way we desire to be treated, we would stop lying, stealing, committing sexual immorality, gossiping, slandering, speaking flattery, getting angry, being arrogant, being bitter, having abortions, meddling in others' business, complaining, being rude, arguing, and a myriad of other sinful things. If we really started treating others the way we want to be treated, we would start honoring our parents, honoring our authorities, taking care of widows and orphans, discipling our children, as God says, being courteous to others, being hospitable, showing love by being joyful, merciful, compassionate, kind, long-suffering, gentle, good, self-controlled, and again, a myriad of other godly things. If we really stopped long enough before every thought, word, and deed directed towards others to ask ourselves, is this how I would like to be treated? Is this how I would like others to speak to me? Is this how I would like others to think about me? Then we would see amazing things begin to happen in our personal and spiritual lives. We might see a glimpse of what Jesus has already spoken about in the Sermon on the Mount, that is, to be perfect as he is perfect, referencing Matthew 5, 48 there. And I made a blunder there. It is disciplining our children, as God says, but I will put, I said discipling. We could do both. That's a good thing. I'm going to put that whole quote in the show notes for you. So the golden rule states how we're to love other people and treat them as a summary where it quote, treat them where it says that is a summary of the law and the prophets. And it clearly lays out for us what is in the second greatest commandment. Matthew 22, 37 through 39 reads, and he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Leviticus 19, 18 states, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. In this one verse of Matthew 7, 12, we are given a summary of the law and the prophets. This text doesn't allow us to ignore all the others, but it reminds us of all the other teachings we already know from God's word. These we are to put into practice. I want to end with some words from Sinclair Ferguson. He said, for Jesus, the word of God is not an impossible complex of rules and regulations placed on men's shoulders as a heavy burden. Rather, it is the outworking of this principle of love. Grasp this and everything falls into place. That is his point. The Christian life is indeed demanding, but in essence, its principle is simple. It is knowing the grace of God working so powerfully in your heart that you are freed from the mastery of sin and self over your life. You can now serve others and bring blessing to them as the Lord has brought blessing to you. This is the kind of clear-sightedness that arises from living in the light of the judgment of God, your Father. That's so good. So my dear friend, being in Christ, we are the only ones who can truly have right relations with others because we have been freed from living lives that are self-righteous and condemning of others and self-focused. We can now live selflessly and love others as we love ourselves. These are the things we need to keep asking and seeking and knocking for in our prayers. And to state it simply, to be more like Jesus, because Jesus truly is enough always. I am so, so grateful for your time today. And the full show notes are at the blog at thankfulhomemaker.com. 
If you're enjoying the podcast, I would love you to please, please, please consider leaving a rating or review wherever you listen in, especially if you're listening in over at Apple Podcasts. That would be lovely. It helps others find the podcast and it's just such a sweet blessing. I am so, so thankful for you, my friend, and I do pray that you have a very blessed week. Mm-hmm.